Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough. For today. Okay, so uh, quick question. How many of you have ever immediately stopped worrying because some dude told you to stop worrying? Probably nobody, right? Or, this is my favorite one, have you ever calmed down because someone told you to calm down? It's probably the greatest mistake that you've ever made in an interpersonal relationship is to tell your frantic spouse family member, child, friend, customer at the store, right, to just calm down, man. It's never worked in all of history except for one time when Jesus said it, right? But how many of you, this is like a real question, I want some audience participation here, how many of you are just really good at being, like really good at just sitting and being in the space and place where you're at, reading a book or just sitting and enjoying your surroundings. Anybody? All right, a couple of you have figured out life. The rest of us, though, how many of you are constantly on the move, right? Constantly doing something or planning to do something or thinking about the next something that you're going to do or emailing the pastor at 6.30 in the morning? Yeah, I know. I know who y'all are because I'm the pastor. (laughs) But then there's the third category of people, right? People like me. (laughs) Really, really good at doing nothing. 
until you remember that you have a whole lot of something that you're supposed to be doing. So you spring into action and frantically do that something and everything else on the list of somethings all at the same time and do all of them not so great, right? This is my entire life story. I wrote this sermon at 4.30 in the morning on Thursday, if that gives you any indication on how things have been going with me lately. Sleeping soundly, baby wakes up, mind remembers the thing that needs to be done, like write a sermon. Can't turn it off, and so here we are. So if you go out of here and you think that this sermon stinks, well, you're justified. You have the proof. I gave you the evidence that you need to feel that way and have your opinion uh, vindicated. (laughs) But in all honesty, right, we are all wired to interact with the world differently. Some of us are, are very low heart rate, not high strung people. And some of us are busy, 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 busy bees, right? And some of us are both, depending on uh, if we remember how busy we're supposed to be and all of the other junk that's going on in our lives or in the world around us and how long the to-do list is, which all leads us to our topic for the day. Anxiety. We're in the middle of a sermon series called All Your Mind, in which we are looking at Jesus' very famous command to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And what we're trying to see here is how loving God, specifically with all of our mind, and loving ourselves so that we can love our neighbors gives us key insights into how we're called to manage our mental health, which is a topic that just gives us anxiety mentioning, right? (laughs) You see, loving ourselves means being honest with ourselves about what's going on between our ears, right, in our minds. And it turns out that what is going on in our minds has a massive effect on our ability to truly commune with and practice loving God, to truly be present in our personal relationships and to love our neighbors. And probably, now this could just be me, but probably the greatest thing that stands between me and my relationship with God and my relationship with with my family and my relationship with just everyone in the world is the number of things on my to-do list and the frantic stream of thoughts in my head about where I need to be and what I need to be doing when I get there. And that's all stuff that I can control. That doesn't even factor in all of the other stuff that I spend my time worrying about, like, you know, the economy, world conflict, politics, other people in the way that they drive very poorly, and just other people in general, right? (laughs) Humans. You see, when the mind is consistently occupied with all of the clutter, it creates a condition of living that we call anxiety. And anxiety blocks our ability to just sit with the presence of God and be filled with the knowledge of God's love for us. Now, Anxiety is often caused by imbalances in the brain, like chemical imbalances, or as like a nasty side effect of 
trauma. Generalized anxiety disorder and panic attacks are common for a lot of Americans today. And they're conditions that really need to be treated by professionals. But some of the therapeutic interventions for anxiety are behavior changes and practices that are really good for all of us as we seek to find more balance and less clutter in our minds. Which brings us back to the words of Jesus. I, mean, I know I said that telling someone to calm down is like the worst way to get them to calm down, and likewise telling them not to worry is the worst way to get them to stop worrying. But somehow when Jesus says it, it's okay. I don't know why. I don't make the rules. I'm, I'm in sales, not management, right? You know, so I'm just here to relay the message that came down from corporate. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and clothing? To which I say, what? I don't know about you all, but I definitely spend a great amount of my time thinking about food. And probably clothing, too, without actually being conscious of it. These are like basic, bare minimum necessities for humans, right? Food, water, shelter, clothing. You take any of these away and quality of life plummets. But here's the thing. Jesus is not saying that these things are not important. Jesus is saying, God knows how important they are. And because God knows how important they are, God will take care of these things. Look at the animals and the plants. Are they not cared for by God? And I think it's really important for us to name this distinction because it sets things in order of priority and places the work of worrying on the person who can handle it, God. God is concerned about these things. It's God's job to be concerned about these things. God will take care of these things. He says, have you ever added an hour to your life by worrying? No. But I certainly have thrown away a few hours, probably taken a few hours off the end of it. And that's just worrying about things that I can control. There's lots of other things I spend my time worrying about that are well beyond it. And so, thank you. <laughs> but Jesus finishes his argument by saying this. Strive for the kingdom of God, and all of this stuff will be given to you. And this really helps us to see, essentially, what Jesus is trying to teach us, like where our priorities are meant to be. Our minds should primarily be occupied by seeking after this idea of righteousness, which really means right relationships with God and with one another, and fulfilling our vocation of making this slice of the world more like the kingdom of God. You see, if our minds are occupied by seeking after a deep, loving relationship with God and deep, meaningful, and transformational relationships with our neighbors, with the other people of this world, then we won't have as much time 
to worry about the things that aren't ours to worry about. You may be thinking to yourself, well, that's all very nice, as is most of the things that Jesus said, but how is this practical? And I can't argue with you. You're, you're right. I understand this. We live in a world that is riddled with anxiety, right? The age of anxiety. And we live in a world that emphasizes the importance of personal responsibility. And I'm not advocating against being responsible and taking care of ourselves. But what I'm trying to point us towards is the deep dissatisfaction that we face when our lives are wholly centered around ourselves. When you are the only person that occupies your mind, dissatisfaction is what you get. And this dissatisfaction is a part of our human condition that is cured by right-sizing ourselves and trusting that God will take care of the things that are just too big for us to take care of on our own. And here's where we are often misled. We often believe that we have more control over our circumstances, even our needs, than we actually do. We live in uh, the wealthiest place in the world, right? We're conditioned to believe that because we have money in our bank accounts, that we will be able to provide everything that we need for ourselves. But we take for granted the fact that Publix has fully stocked shelves. We take for granted that when we go to the clothing store, they have clothes. Those clothes are in our size, and they fit our fashion vibe. <laughs> but all of that relies on trucks that roll into the back of the store. And everything on those trucks relies on processing plants that sort, produce the food and the clothing for us. And all of those processing plants, they rely on farmers growing the food, producing the livestock, growing the cotton. You know what farmers rely on? Weather conditions. Conditions that are suitable for life of all of these things. They rely on factors out of their control, out of your control, out of my control, only under God's control. And so it's really a good thing for us to remember that we're not the ones providing for ourselves. It's always God. And that's a good thing to remember, that in the end, God is the one who gives. It's our job to just put one foot in front of the other, and while we're at the grocery store or the clothing store, to maybe grab a couple extra things, throw them in the cart, because you might be the way that God is providing for someone else. So throw them in there, bring them in here. We'll give them out at the shower ministry or to kids uh, through our Harvesting Hope uh, food bags, program, and that's the end of my shameless plug, but you remember. 
The point here is that Jesus, the traveling nomad dude who basically just relied on the hospitality of others in order to eat and wear clothing, says, don't worry about it, dude. God's got it. Just do what you were created to do. Seek after right relationships with the world, and this will work out for you. But Jesus is, I at least appreciate this. His last words of this teaching are very practical. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. And what this points to is the practice of being present. What drives situational anxiety and feeds it is an inability that we have to live in the present moment. Because when we're constantly projecting out onto our fear of the future, of the to-do list of tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and so on and so forth, what we are unable to do is live in the present moment. We are so deeply distracted as a society by things that are happening outside of our own lives and our own current moment in time that we can't truly live our lives. We can't pour ourselves into our relationships. We can't take time to commune with God and truly love God with all of our minds because our minds are just too busy trying to do God's job. Friends, this is not how we were created to live. We're created to exist in the moments and to savor it. We were created to live in the relationships that God has blessed us with and to live in the relationship with him that we were created for. A relationship that trusts that some way or another, God's got this. Reminds me of that old childhood tune, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Do you believe that? Do you feel that? Like, what would our lives look like if we just slowed down, just took it in, just breathed in the gift of life with God, just devoted our time to remembering that fact, that, that God has got the whole world, including our concerns, big and small, including our to-do lists in his hands. And before I put my, my son, Ezra, to bed every night, I read him this book. It's called Don't Forget to Remember by a, a singer-songwriter named Ellie Holcomb. And I'm going to close out today by reading it to you, and then I'm going to invite uh, Mary to come up here and lead us in a, a guided meditation. But listen to the words of this book, which is also a song that she wrote. This is the only thing that I want my son to know. Like if, he, if he doesn't know anything else about the world, I want him to know this. He said, did you know creation is talking to you? 
wherever you go and whatever you do, the earth will keep giving you clue after clue so you won't forget to remember what's true. Like every day when the sun rises high, the warmth that you feel is God's love by your side. And just like the birds who keep humming their tune, remember God sings songs of joy over you. When you catch the snowflakes that fall from the sky, each of them whisper, you're one of a kind. And after the winter and cold are all through, the flowers remind you God makes all things new. When a colorful rainbow peeks out through the rain, don't forget to remember God's love stays the same. On glad days and sad days, God's near and he knows. He can use any storm to make good things grow. When you can't see the end of the ocean so blue, remember God's love never runs out on you. And just like a sailboat that fills up with wind, we feel most alive when we're filled up with him. Don't forget to remember you're never alone, no matter if you are up high or down low. And as sure as the sun will keep rising above, don't forget to remember that you're dearly loved. So just like the stars won't forget how to shine, don't forget to remember that all of the time, God's light will guide you wherever you go, and you're loved from the top of your head to your toes. Let the whole earth remind you of what God has said from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. And even on days, you forget what is true. Don't forget to remember, God won't forget you. As we sit back and let these words from Pastor Tim's sermon just sink in, I invite you to please sit in your chairs comfortably and relax. Please take a few deep cleansing breaths by simply breathing in and out through your nose. Close your eyes, and if you'd like, you may bow your head. Please feel your body relax. Let your mind be still as you lift your hearts up to God. Feel his gaze of love upon you. And please listen as I read from you 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As you relax, let go of any worries or fears you may be holding on to. And take note of what the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. Do not let any wandering thoughts alarm you. You are safe. There is only hope here. God cares for you. God sings songs of joy over you. Inhale God's love. Exhale any doubts and anxieties. Rest in God's peace. He will never leave you. Inhale God's promise that his light will guide you wherever you go. And as you exhale, release your helplessness. God is not going to let you fail. He loves you from the top of your head to your toes. Continue to breathe softly and deeply. God is whispering to you, you are one of a kind. 
Hand over all of your enemies to God and trust him. He will not let you down. Breathe in his strength. Be filled with courage. Let go of anything and everything that's holding you down. Rest in the promise that God makes all things new. He's here with you right now. Inhale his peace. Exhale aggression and agitation. Stay centered on God's love. Let his love wash over you. As you breathe, surrender yourself entirely to God and whisper, thank you. Take his hand. Rejoice in your new renewed hope in him. Trust him. He's here. You're safe. Inhale his peace. Exhale your turmoil. Please rest in his holy love. Now slowly open your eyes. Smile. God is still holding your hand. God's light will guide you wherever you go. God will never forget you. Go in peace because you've been set free. Amen.